You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. And we are back on the Best in the World Sports Report. Just want to remind you guys that you can hit us up anytime. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports. Once again, that is at BITW Sports. Big win for the Sixers last night. Beat Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, that's the second time in a little over a week these guys are beating the, beating the Bucks. Things are turning around. People are trusting the process. Even though the process was still in Philly. Process was here in Philly watching the game on TV. And the Sixers were out there in Milwaukee handling their business. So let's get into that. Let's talk about that. So I want to bring in my guest for today. Longtime Philly sports TV personality. You remember him from CSN Philly. Before that, he was at NBA TV. And even way before that, this man was putting in work at Channel 10 hosting my favorite football show, The Randall Cunningham Show. And now he's on he is off to his new venture. He is now a podcast host. So his show has not started. So since his podcast has not started, I still consider him my colleague and my friend. Once his podcast starts, once he starts broadcasting, then he's my enemy and I can't talk to him anymore cuz then he then he's just nothing but he's competition. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, good friend of mine, Mr. Ron Burke, how are you, sir? JB, I'm great, great, great. It's great to be with you. Um, this will, you know what? This will be me kind of getting uh, some of the cobwebs out, so to speak, and get back in the flow, get back in the mix by discussing sports with you and getting me set for my own podcast, which kicked off in a matter of days. I, I understand because I, I myself, you know, I, I, and I don't mind. I'm not, I'm not in a position yet where I can turn that away. So you come on here, you, you know, you cut your teeth here with me you perfect everything and then you take it off and then you go be a star somewhere else and just leave me back here where i am you know oh it's 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 all good i i i don't buy it at all i'll give you credit how about that i appreciate that i i i, I, I truly appreciate credit. that hey look, it's look all because of you <laughs> I, I'm, I'm i really am gonna hold you to that and there's a good chance i might just <laughs> I, I, I might just take I, I might just take that that little that that little sliver what you just said and use it over and over and just talk about, <laughs> you know, just how Ron Burke attributes all his success to me and the best in the world sports report. You know, anything I can do to help. <laughs> I, my God, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> hey, look, uh, the Sixers, you know, uh, honestly, I, I, when I brought you on, uh, when I, when I put, when I put in the call, I called you earlier this week because I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk Super Bowl with you. The Sixers had two games coming this week. They were supposed to be, uh, they were playing the Clippers and Milwaukee, and it had already been announced that Joel Embiid had, would not play. Later on, uh, on later on on Tuesday, they said that uh, Jaleel Okafor wouldn't be playing either. So I pretty much had just written it off that you know what these two Sixers games weren't going to be anything to talk about. Then lo, lo and behold, the Sixers go out and win two straight games without. Embiid and without Okafor, how impressed were you? How impressed were you with those two games? Uh, I was very impressed because, like you, I did not expect them to be that successful a team, minus the um, certainly with certainly with the B, uh, but without two major components 
to their team. Embiid is just such a factor all over the floor. The floor defensively scoring. Uh, he has the outside, the outside threat of the stand. He just brings so much spirit, I think, to that whole team. And you can really see it spill over, JB, and how the other guys play. They take the floor now like a team with a little more step, step in their step. Like, like they expect now, not only will they, they be able to compete, because they played hard under Brett Brown, even in the, in the toughest of circumstances, but that they're going to go out there and they're going to win the basketball game. And that's what I see that's different. So, so with those players out of the mix, particularly Embiid, uh, I wanted to see if any of that would 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 still be there. And I've been imp- in, in, impressed and pleased to see that even with their main guy out of the lineup, they play like they expect to win, and then they go out and execute, and they play well down the stretch. A lot of times, we've seen this team fade a lot, even when it played hard, fade a lot in the last few years mm-hmm. down the stretch. It just didn't have enough at the end and and probably some of that was internal didn't have enough internal understanding how to win but that's changed in a hurry that has changed in a hurry and just the the fortune the you know the fortunes of this team and just the the the, the, the aura of this team has changed you know how you discuss how you talk about the sixes how you discuss the sixes you know one of the things i used to lament about sixer basketball you know, over the last two, three seasons was the fact that I felt like when you talked about the NBA, talking about the NBA and then talking about the Sixers were two different conversations. <laughs> you know, it, it, when people want, you know, people almost look, they look at you like you're a wet blanket when you want to talk, when if you want to talk NBA and you want to bring up the Sixers. And that has changed. You know, Joel Embiid has, has us talking about the playoffs. Now, I understand that, you know, this could be, you know, this is a long way away. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I haven't bumped my head. You know, if it happens, it happens. If not, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that we actually got to discuss it for however long we'll be discussing it, you know, this season. But let me, let me ask you this. If at the start of the season, I told you that the Sixers and Sixer fans would be talking playoffs in January, what would you have said? I would have said no way because uh, I looked at this team and figured. Now, now remember, before the season, Joel Embiid still had not played. Mm-hmm. So I was one of these guys who was saying I need to see him on the floor to see exactly who he is before I can offer any educated guess as to where they would be but i would i said based on what uh the you know what the the, the so-called experts the people in the know were saying he would be healthy and would be on the floor i said i said okay so we'll finally get a chance to see who he is in, in a pro setting uh and even with that i said okay i'm looking at maybe the mid-20s in terms of wins which would be a huge improvement obviously over the previous season mm-hmm. i said okay 25 wins and they'll get 25 wins i mean they're what 17 wins right now yeah. uh, just over halfway through the season uh but, no, I would not have expected that. I, I didn't see any reason to, again, because I had not seen him beat play. But if you had told me that would be the case, I would say, wow, that, that must mean he's a guy that can really lift the team. Uh, and it's, you know, just right out of the, out of the, off the bat because he comes in and, uh, you know, with only, a, you know, no real high competitive experience uh, at the NBA level, you know, just kind of working his way through and, and guarded practices and what have you. But he came in and right away it was mm-hmm. uh, he trusts. It seems as though you know, JB. Sometimes you see guys come back and they are a little more hesitant in their movement and things like that. But he came yeah. in and attacked him, and for me that was a big deal. That tells me a lot about the attitude of the player. Mm-hmm. It it does, and I think it kind of speaks to it. Kinda, it makes what he had went through the last two years 
you know, it, it kind of falls into place. It kind of makes it, it, it makes sense now. You know, um, I think when it, it I, I think like when we first heard that he needed a second surgery, and if you remember, there was like a period of time after that announcement and when he went through the surgery, and people were wondering what was going on, was his head in it, you know, you know where where was he, and and come to find out, and you heard from you know a few insiders that he was a little frustrated, like he had put his all that first season into coming back, and he felt like he was ready to come back, only to have the doctors tell him he needed another surgery and he was crushed, and I think that you know that 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 speaks to him, you know, his passion, and I and and it's infectious. You know, and, and it's like for you, for for someone who who was covered, so you know, teams in this city, you know, you know, be it the Sixers, the Eagles, Phillies, you know, to to see this effect, to see, you know, how contagious his passion is for the game. Like, what would you compare that to, like, in in teams that you've seen in the past? You know, I would look at it this way, and I, I would have to. Well, let me pick teams that have had success, and the Sixers obviously have not finished this season. They haven't been a playoff team or gotten deep into the playoffs this particular version of the Sixers have not at this point but I would take it in I, I, I would look at it like this let's go back to if we can let's say 93 when the Phillies put it all together and that was um, sort of a conglomerate of of characters who came together and went all the way to the World Series six games deep into the World Series I would say Lenny Dykstra though not the only factor for that reason, not even close to the only factor, but he was a catalyst-type player, the way he played the game. It's, it, to me, it's, it's beyond what you do on the field in terms of talent. Uh, it, it's being able to lift um, the players around you as well. They have those unique leadership skills that we often see in the best quarterbacks in football. So I would say Lenny Dykstra um, was a catalyst-type player for that particular team. If you go to the Phillies in 2008, boy, you had, you know, Jay Rowe, who had been the senior most guy among that nucleus. Uh, he was a catalyst type player. Chase Utley certainly was. Ryan Howard, you know, with, the, with, with, with what he did in terms of the long game. And, uh, you know, they, they were able in that particular season to, um, to, to, to raise their abilities and finally get over the hump. I think largely because of the catalyst type players. And I believe that year they had more than one. I don't think it was a, a singular thing either. Um, and if you come if you come more recent, uh, actually a little, little uh, further back in time to 2004, to me the clear catalyst player for the Eagles was Terrell Owens. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, he came in here. I think he made everybody, including his quarterback, a better player. And you see how everything from that first preseason game and the touchdown bomb, yeah. everything just rolled from there. So when I look at the present Sixers, they have a piece of it taken care of in that catalyst player in Embiid, and they have a guy right now on the shelf who hasn't even played yet, and that's Ben Simmons. And for me, that you, you can't explain, you, you, you can't uh, discuss uh, what, what what your question was about about explaining what this team is right now without looking toward the future and saying, well, my goodness, it can only get it, it can only get better mm-hmm. because uh, from what Embiid has done, and, and I would say the only the only uh, issue might be you know when 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 Simmons comes back fitting it all together. Yeah. So maybe there's some, uh, there's a period of time there for some growing pains. We'll see. But, but, but right now I see them, you know, looking a lot like those other teams that did go the distance and find success during their respective seasons. Now the Sixers haven't gotten there yet, yeah. but you have to have the catalyst player or multiple players to get you there. Health has to be on their side. Mm-hmm. They have to perform at, at, at a, at a consistently high level. They have to, 
uh, be able to lift players around them, as, as I pointed out. But I think that would be a common thread that I've seen with those, play, with those teams that had a great deal of success and a Sixers team that's growing into that direction. Hey, we are here with longtime Philly sports TV personality Ron Burke, the newest the newest podcast host in this city, talking Sixers. One with, one, one <laughs> there of, may be others. There, I, may, I, there I, may be I, others, I, but we, 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 we're, we're, we're not even thinking about those dudes right now. As far as I'm concerned, there, there are two podcast hosts in this city, me and you. That's it. <laughs> but but you, you, you talked about, uh, you know, you talked about the growing pains of this team coming coming together once Ben Simmons uh, once Ben Simmons arrives. Part of part of what has brought this team together over the past month or so has been, uh, I guess, if you want to call it the rise, the arrival, whatever you want to call it, of T.J. McConnell. You know, he he he's clearly pro- probably he's probably played the best. This is the best point guard play I have seen on the Sixers in a very long time. Possibly, you know, I'm possibly since Drew Holiday. I'm not saying that McConnell's an all-star or, or whatever, and it might just speak to the guys that we've had at point guard since, since, <laughs> since we traded Drew Holiday. But, you know, for the first time in a very long time, we have, I feel like we, this team has gotten very consistent, very, you know, very good, very consistent, uh, point guard play you know how how well i guess how big in your opinion has tj mcconnell been so far this season well if you, you know, if you look at tj mcconnell you, the, the numbers will not jump off the screen yeah. at you he's not a point guard that's going to put up a lot of points mm-hmm. um most nights you know he's what he's about a six, i think a six assist per per game guy right mm-hmm. now somewhere in that neighborhood um but you know what he also he's taking care of the basketball mm. so that's you know if, if a guy is not filling it up Here's the thing. Let me say, we've seen guys who, at that position, at the point guard position, who can score a lot for you and even rebound a lot, and then you look over to the right and you see, like, six turnovers, seven turnovers. And as great as they are in that other category or two, you say, wow, how much more effective would this player and ultimately this team be if there were better protection of the basketball? Well, you look at a guy like TJ who's not going to give you 25 and 17 or 25 and 16 uh, but 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 take so take care of the basketball, manage the offense properly, and that and make sure B gets the ball where he's where he needs to get the ball. Make sure that that you understand the sweet spots for these players, that you run the transition game well, that you push the basketball when it needs to be pushed, and and that's what he to me that's his value on this team. He doesn't hurt his team, and he helps the players around him. So I've been really impressed with that part of his game, hitting key shots at different times as well. Uh, but also understanding the other players around him. That's a big part of it, the head game. And I really like what I've seen from him. So given, so given everything that he's, that he's given and he, and he has, you know, he's, he has been a very good, a very good role player. And I think that kind of, that kind of speaks to, you know, what, the buzzword that has surrounded this six, you know, this sixer team now for the past three, three, four years now, and that's process. Now, you know, you, you, you see one end of the process, and that is, you know, the the big draft picks that they brought in, and the jury is still out on all of them. You know, we, we don't know what we have with Okafor. We don't know what we had necessarily, 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 necessarily you know, Nerlens Noel and Simmons and Embiid, and you know that that those are going to work themselves out. You know. But on the other end of the spectrum, you saw what they were doing was they weren't going out filling out their benches with these high-priced free agents. 
and and players that you were going to had to lock down for long periods of time. So, you know, you, they were kind of trying to find the diamonds in the rough. And that brought in the T.J. McConnells, the Robert Covingtons, uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, how you know he's gone now, but Hollis Thompson and and Jeremy Grant. So, like, I guess seeing a player like McConnell play the way he's played so far and fit in in you know fit in in his role in the turnaround of this team. You know, given McConnell and. and Covington, do you feel like this is you're starting to see a little bit more justification for the process? Yeah, for me, coming into the season was about finding further. Well, Embiid was number one to help with him. Ben Simmons getting healthy and then seeing what he would be on the back half of the season. But beyond that, for me, this season was about seeing who could further stamp themselves as as a player you could go to going forward. And so those players would rise in the equation and show you that they. Uh, could contribute if you look down the road. And and I, I saw no reason at all, based on what this team had done, 19 wins, 18 wins, 10 wins last few seasons coming into this year, I saw no reason at all to throw a bunch of money at guys who might not be a part of the equation, say in two years when it's up and running and it's and it's, and it's it's where they want it to be in terms of personnel, at least key personnel, the players that are going to be your, your nucleus players. Uh, because um, that would probably get in the way of the process, there we go again, that you mm-hmm. laid down. But you have to be disciplined. When you when you make that move to that extreme measure, what's become known in Philly and Philadelphia as a process, you have to be disciplined. And it could be um, it could be, as we've seen, very painful to get to your destination. Mm-hmm. But the journey to get there, you could during the journey you, you see growth in players, man. This is what, what you're what you're talking about. You see growth in players as they come along. And uh, let's mention T.J. McConnell, for example. What if you had brought in a more veteran point guard with more of a resume who now is taking those minutes away, and then that guy who might be 33 years old is gone in a year, gone in Mm -hmm. two years, and now McConnell's back at square one for you, and you don't know what you have. He's not developed with his teammates. So I believe it was kind of a necessary, painful period you have to go through once you establish that you're going to pretty much rip it up and and start over, start from Mm -hmm. scratch. And um, I think it's a smart move. The secondary aspect to that, though, John, is – putting the right players on the court going forward. You, you can't make uh, you can't make too many mistakes. You got you got the hit. Ben Simmons has to be a hit. Joel Joel Embiid with health on his side has been a huge hit. Uh, figuring out the other big man equation obviously is part of that. Uh, but also finding out the key pieces now as you go forward the guys that can be role players. Maybe maybe McConnell, maybe maybe they say after this season the team says, "Okay, we know exactly what we have in these guys." but they don't fit the role of starters that we need. Now we can go out and maybe get a couple of guys who are, who are more senior players in the in, in the NBA who can still contribute for, say, two or three years. But I think it's a smart philosophy. I believe it's smart because they established, going back a handful of years ago, that this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to be. It was painful. It still is to some degree because they haven't gotten there yet, but you can see it coming together. You, you can't see it coming together. And, and, and it's interesting because I feel like mm-hmm. we've been set, you know, even given the excitement that we have over this current team, you know, the fact still remains. It's like, I can't, I cannot remember the last time I've been this excited over a team. That's about 10 games under 500. You know, this, this is, this is the greatest 10 games, you know, sub 500 team I've ever seen in my, in, in, in my life. You know, and it's like, we're, we're sitting there, but, but, but still, you know, I, I felt like, there were stages to, you know, and what I wanted to see. 
And once it once once it started to become obvious that Embiid was a player, you know, I my first step was I want to see I want to see this team just start beating at least be able to beat the crappy teams, because for the past two years you were sitting there and you were watching. You know, you were watching the Sixers get blown out by 30, 40 points by by team teams that shouldn't be that you know bottom line shouldn't be blowing you out by 30, 40 points. Right. You know, and now to the point where they are now, where yeah, you know, yeah, they won some games and they beaten a couple of playoff teams. You know, if it wasn't for yeah. the, if it wasn't for these two losses, Milwaukee would be in the playoffs right now. You know, you just beat a Toronto team that's, you know, first in your division. You just beat a Clippers team that's the number four team out west. So it's not like they're just beating up on pushovers. They're actually beating, you know, good teams, and then they're hanging with with better teams. You know, they, they played some good they played some, some good teams tough. And at this point, you know, that, that's, all you, that's, that's all you can really ask, right? They've raised the bar is what you're describing there. And so what you expect to come in into the season – has changed and your expectation for the rest of the season is that they will beat the teams that are struggling, uh, the crappy teams to use your word, and that they'll compete and they'll compete and have some success against the better teams. And we're going to see, uh, well, they have Houston up, uh, Houston coming up this week, right? Houston mm-hmm. yep. up tomorrow. A team that beat them by 20 something points uh, last time they played. And so here's another opportunity to, uh, to come out and play a team like that that comes in with a, a, a very strong resume mm-hmm. and, 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 and you'll meet them. Well, they'll you, they'll meet them, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so now we have a comparison. We can we can do some comparison shopping here. Houston's a team that's a top three team in the West, and and let's see what uh, what the Sixers will do against the Rockets. Who you know the, the more immediate history is that they got blown out by Houston. So I'm eager to see situations like this. See, to me, it's so much of it now. It's funny, like you said, uh, your expectation then versus now is now. I'm looking at situational uh, basketball. Like how do they play? at the end of a quarter? How do they play at the end of a half? How do they come out and start? Not so much the game as a whole and how they compete, because they competed hard even when they were, were getting beat up on, but mm-hmm. uh, how do they play down the stretch? My expectations, John, for the stretch have changed now. Mm-hmm. If they're in a close game, wow, I've seen them execute so well and play with so much fire and heart and pull out these games. My expectation is, hey, I want to see them do it again. I think, th- I think they might have it in them to do it again. I hear you. And I guess what, what's, what that then brings us to is Brett Brown. You know, we we haven't been able to to I guess to really judge his ability as a coach because of the teams that he's you know he's been with, and I think for a, a lot of people, a lot of people kind of hope that this would be the direction that this team goes. I remember I I, I remember last year, uh, or I think it was uh, going into last year. And it might have been like throughout, you know, throughout that season, you know, we were we were talking about giving giving Brett Brown an extension, and it kind of just seemed crazy that it seemed like a lot of fans in this city believed that Brett Brown deserved an extension, despite the fact that they had, you know, you know, one of the like a historically abysmal season. I'm, you know, where I'm sitting here with a team that won 10 total games all season. And I'm like, you know what? We got to lock this coach down, you know, <laughs> it, you know, but, I, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I was OK with that narrative. And I'll tell you why, because uh, it was clear that they were not going to wow you from a talent point of view. 
and they were not going to compete at a high level for an extended period of time. They would have spurts here and there in previous years. It was clear. So I'm saying, okay, do I see a coach-player connection that makes me believe that with better talent, they can perform better? And I, I believe I saw that as I looked at this team. And the way he would stand, Brett Brown would stand up and just take it and, I mean, some, some, just some gut, what had to be gut-wrenching, awful, awful uh, – situations and nights and games and performances and answer the same questions and try to try to explain why his team wasn't performing, why it was so bad. And he had to know it was a talent issue. I was okay. I felt like this guy was the right guy for this team. And so when that discussion arose about going further with the head coach contractually, I'm like, okay. And, and it wasn't a thing maybe where I felt he deserved it just because mm -hmm. it's been rough. I was looking inside that and seeing how this team performed, how I felt he was connecting, how he was handling his job as a leader. Because, you know, first of all, we don't get to see him all the time with the team. Mm -hmm. We see him in those select moments when the cameras are on him. But I sense based on what they did on the floor and how they interacted with him and how they interacted uh, with, with those of us in the media, too, that there was something there between coach and player that I believe could be kind of a light yeah. that with better talent could brighten and get better for this team. So, uh I was, I was, I had no problem with the narrative about about him deserving a new contract or or being uh, given a new contract, because I thought I saw something there. I didn't know what it would turn into. I didn't know if it would turn into wins. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if Embiid could play yeah. and be healthy. But uh, now that we're seeing some some signs of that, um, I give the coach a lot of credit for hanging in there through the real real tough times. Okay, last six or question before we we move on. Ron Burke, do you trust the process? <laughs> well, let me let me let me sort of define how I see the process. Because okay. the process is it's not a completed process. That's no. why it's called a process. When we get there, I guess it'll be called a destination or something. I don't know. We we'll, we'll but, cross that bridge when we get there. We're so far away at this point. I can't even yeah, see that far down the line. It, we'll call it the the arrival. How about yeah. that when they get there? But um, here's what I trust. I trust that again with health on their side, which you cannot control, and by that I mean Embiid being healthy and Ben Simmons recovering. I believe with health on their side, they will do a good enough job of putting pieces in place where we will see more of this team next season like we've seen in the last 20 games or so. That's what I believe. So, yes, I trust that part of the process that's brought us to this point, and I trust that they'll be able to put enough pieces in place where the Sixers will be a contender. There you have it. Ron Burke just said the Sixers will win 16 straight championships. They will replace the Boston <laughs> Celtics as the greatest team ever. Uh, uh, he said, uh, there's no need to scroll back and listen to this podcast over. I'll, I'll, let, you right, I'll, I'll let you know right now. Ron Burke said that uh, Joel Embiid is better than Bill Russell. Um, not better than Wilt, but better than Bill Russell. And uh, um, pretty much like 16 championships, 17 MVPs, and he trusts the process. There's either something it. wrong with my phone or with your <laughs> earphones. I'm not sure which. It's one, it's one or the other. You're listening to the Best in the World Sports Report. Listen to this show in its entirety every Saturday at 8 a.m. on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com.